Journey to Organization, episode 140. To Be'av and why it's a zero waste holiday. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman. Advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to the Journey to Organization podcast. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization. And today I want to talk about Tu B'Av, the 15th day of Av. This week is the Jewish holiday of Tu B'Av. It is a minor holiday and it has had its reincarnations over the years, some years, in some millennia, it is a highly celebrated tradition. In some millennia, it is not. In recent years, it has become more popular to celebrate it. It's a popular day here in Israel to get married on. But what I really wanted to highlight about this holiday was the zero waste level of equality uh, that is deeply ingrained in this holiday. But not only that, I wanted to talk about because it's a holiday meant as like a day of love and a way for mates to attract one another to each other. Did I say that right? (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about three tips also for organizing your impending marriage. So if you're getting married, this is a great episode for you. Okay, so the tradition of Tuba'av comes from the Mishnah in Tanit, Perak 4, Mishnah 8. And it talks about uh, that girls would go out into the vineyards and they would borrow each other's clothes and they would dance so they could attract a mate. And they would dance together in circle. And there's this whole like thing about how they're like surrounding Hashem. And it's all very lovely and very beautiful. But the area of the tradition that I'd really like to highlight is the zero waste aspect of it in that everybody didn't go out and buy new clothes for this event. (laughs) They all borrowed from each other. And the reason that they borrowed dresses from each other was because they wanted to level the playing field so that no one would know who was, you know, rich and who was not rich. So that everybody would share and there would be some sort of level playing field where everybody had an equal chance of attracting the right person. And what I love about this idea is, first of all, obviously, it's, I believe, one of the only times we have in literature, in Jewish literature, that points to the idea of sharing what you have so that you have this equality, like it gives a hard and fast example, um, that there is this level of equality that is being shared. So like, maybe I have more money than you do, but here you have access to all my things for today. Please borrow them and go ahead and fulfill your destiny. And what I think about that is it's amazing. And it's a really good example of why it's important to not necessarily hold on to all the things that we have that we're saving for just in case, And rather to lend them out and let them be shared. So, you know, probably the question I get the most out of any question ever is, how should I store baby clothes? And I always say, I don't think you should store baby clothes for children that you don't have. So if you have, you know, three boys and you're passing clothes in between them, that's fine. But once the youngest one has worn them out, you know, pass them on to somebody else because they don't serve any purpose if no one is using them. 
And the thing about Tuba'av is it's sort of this similar idea. It's like if you can help somebody attract a husband by just lending them clothes and it's something that you're not using, why wouldn't you lend it out to someone? And I think that this is a very, very good idea from, you know, a environmental standpoint, but but also just from the standpoint of learning to be a generous person and giving to others and understanding that what we have is really just on loan to us from God and that we can't make an accounting of what we have based on our good deeds. What we have is meant to be shared with other people. And this idea is not specific to our things. This is true with giving charity as well. And I think that when we can understand this on a very deep level, we can say, sure, this was my blessing, but now I'm going to pass this on to you. It's a lot easier to be able to share and be able to be generous with the things that you have because you understand that even if something gets damaged, even if something gets ruined, it's still worthwhile to share because you're sharing the blessings that you have with other people. And that is, to me, a really important aspect of Judaism that I think that a lot of us miss on a day-to-day level because we're so involved with ourselves. And you know what? I get that. I get that we're involved with ourselves. It makes sense where we have busy lives and we have kids and we have families and we have jobs and and I get it. (laughs) And even if you're not actively in that area of your life, there's still things that are going on. And I think that it's hard to sometimes be attuned to other people. But what I think is great about this holiday is that it forces us to be attuned to others. It forces us to say, you know, today's the day we are going to share and we're all going to go out there. And it doesn't matter if we have a Vera Wang wedding dress or a Ralph Lauren wedding dress, or if we have a wedding dress from David's Bridal, like wherever we have a wedding dress from, it's, it's, you know, good enough kind of thing. And and if I have two, I'm going to share with you. And that is, I think, the beautiful the aspect of this that is really amazing and kind. And what I hope that it trickles down to is, in general, how we deal with our children and their clothes and sharing. And when we pass along the blessing to other people, we're really able to make someone's life better by doing that. And... We're not hurting ourselves by doing that. Because even if you said to somebody, hey, all this stuff is on loan to you, please give it back to me when you're done, which I don't recommend. But if you wanted to do that, you could do that. Even if you said that to somebody, I feel like you're still allowing this space in your life for new things to come into it. And that, I think, is the most important thing. So when you can make space in your closet to share with somebody else, if the bracha that you want is a partner, then great. I hope that that makes room for it. And that's, to me, what Tubab is really about. It's this being generous with other people and opening up the space in our lives for the things that we want to come into our lives. And that's amazing and great. And so I wish that for everybody this year on Tubav. So since Tubav was meant as this pre-wedding, pre-marriage ritual, I thought it would be fitting to give three tips to help you organize for your marriage or your wedding. 
The first thing that you can do to make sure that you are organized in your marriage is to set goals for your marriage. This you can do no matter if you are getting married today or if you have been married for 30 years. My husband and I did this when we were dating <laughs> uh, and, and I thought it was important, but to be honest, we hadn't really done it in a while. And I told you last week that we celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary and we didn't really do so much just because of circumstances of how things were fell out this year. But what we did do was we went to the beach and we lived near the beach and we went to the beach and we took a picnic. We made some food. We made some salads. We cut up some vegetables, took some cheese. We took some crackers. We took a blanket and we just went and we had a picnic by ourselves on the beach. But at the beach, you know, the phones are in the bag. We were sitting there. We were just listening to the water. We were chatting with each other. And it just felt like there was this time that we had like to spend with each other. And I looked over at him and I just said, you know, we haven't talked about where we want to be and what we want our marriage to look like in a really long time. And so no matter where you are in your marriage, in your life, if you're starting out, if it's been a long time, I think it's good to say, you know, what you hope to get out of that time that you're spending together. How can you help each other grow? How can you achieve your own personal goals in this partnership? And I think that when you can, when you can specifically name those things, it makes everybody feel a little bit happier because you have this thing that you're working towards together, this goal that you're working towards together, and you can do small measurable actions to get you to this goal. And when you get to the goal, you can make a new goal, but the idea is the journey to getting to the goal. So if you have a personal or a professional goal that you would like to reach, it's worthwhile to talk to your partner about it and, and, express to them that you want to be able to achieve this certain thing, whether it's weight loss or success in your business or decluttering or whatever it is, to be open with the person who you spend the most time with is a huge thing and it's really, really important. So set these goals, make a plan, make a one-year plan, make a five-year plan, make a 10-year plan. And as you go, you can reassess and see if you're hitting your targets, but it actually just makes the time you spend together feel like there is a purpose. And it what it does is it gives you focus on making sure that you are fulfilling your mission in life. And after all, that's what we're here for. So tip number one is sit down, set some goals with your partner and figure out what you want your marriage to look like so that you can reach your goals. The second thing you can do to get organized before you get married is to sign a halachic prenuptial agreement. In 2020, there should be no agunot, no chained women. No woman should be in a situation that she wants to get out of and cannot get out of it. And by committing to this agreement right now, you're saying to your partner that if later on something gets bad, I'm still willing to remember how I feel about you right now and honor my word that I don't want you to be chained to me in a way where you can't get out. And I think that that is a really big sign of love. And my dad said to me when I was getting married, even though 
I had known my husband for a long time before we got married and I thought it was totally ridiculous. I said, he said to me, Rebecca, you have to get this. And I said, but we love each other. And he said, but you might not always love each other. And to me, that is true. Sometimes couples don't love each other. And ultimately I agreed to do it because my dad was right. <laughs> and and looking back 18 years later, I am super glad that I have that. Not because I want to use it, but because I can remember sometimes when I feel like I might want to get divorced, I can remember that my husband took this pledge to me and said, if you ever feel like you need to get out, here are the tools for you to get out. And that is very, very comforting. And it makes me feel very, very loved. And so sometimes when I'm, when I've totally lost it and I am thinking like, grr, this is terrible. I have to go, right? Sometimes when I'm thinking that I'm like, nope, I don't need to go. I could stay right here. He loved me. He still loves me. And this was a sign that he did because he did this for me. And it means so much to me. And I have heard stories from rabbis who were couples where a husband would not agree to sign this for a wife and those couples did not end well and again I just don't think that today in 2020 aguna should be a problem and so I urge you as a way to organize yourself for your long-term goals for your for the health of your marriage to please have this prenuptial agreement. The third thing which is super important to discuss and deal with before you get married and to organize for yourself is money. And the thing about money is this. You could talk about it before you get married. You could talk about it once you get married. You could talk about it once you've been married for 30 or 40 or 50 years. Money is going to always be something that you need to talk about how you save it, how you spend it, how you earn it, how you allot it, where it goes to, just the attitudes behind it. All of that needs to be dealt with to have a successful marriage up front so you know what the other person's thoughts and beliefs are. And I think if you can have an honest conversation about money, <laughs> if you can have an honest conversation about money, then then that's a good sign, number one. But number two is, it's the same as sort of setting goals. Set goals for your money. What do you hope to achieve with the money that you have? Once, you achieve your, once you've achieved your goals, what are you gonna do with the money then? And I think that that's really important. So for example, if your goal is to make sure that every single child in your family has bar or bat mitzvah fund, some sort of graduation fund, college or advanced learning fund, a wedding fund, and a new house fund, if that's your goal, then great. How are you going to get to that goal? If your goal is to be able to give 20% of your salary to charity, that's great. How are you going to do that? If the goal is somewhere in between those things, also great. These goals are personal and specific to you. And whatever feels comfortable to you is what you should is what you should do. And I can't tell you what money goals you need to make, but the important thing is, is to sit down with your partner and say, listen, I want to set a time where every week or every other week or once a month or once 
every two months even, where we sit down and we talk about the state of what our finances are, what came in, what went out, how we gave stuck up, what we need to buy, you know, what our budget is, how we're going to save. If you start having these conversations earlier on, the amount that you fight about money is going to be significantly reduced and you're going to have these clear goals to help you get to where you want to go. And hopefully, if you're having these discussions up front from an early stage in your marriage, you'll be able to organize money in a way where everything is sort of transparent. And that is going to make both partners feel very equal and very secure. So one of the things that you can do to help organize yourself about money or with money is to sit down and make a notebook or a spreadsheet, list all your assets, list all your debts, and go ahead and see how you know, in a spreadsheet, in a notebook, however is comfortable for you, list everything that you spend every month, and then go from there. One of the things that uh, Evan and I did when we first got married, which I thought was a really great thing, and which I think is good still, is we set a limit on how much money we could spend on one specific item. So if I went to the grocery store and spent $500, okay, it was fine because I was buying groceries, you know, but if I wanted to buy something, one item, a piece of furniture or shoes, which I never did, I never bought a $500 pair of shoes, but if I would have wanted to buy a $500 pair of shoes, then that would have been an item that I would have had to discuss with him. So we had this spending limit. I don't even remember what it was at the time. Normally right now, if I feel like I want to make a purchase that's unusual, I do discuss it with him. It doesn't really matter what the monetary value is. We don't actually buy very much except for food. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and I have... And, and he trusts me with the clothing and I'm pretty responsible about the clothing. So I don't have discussions about food and clothing. But if I wanted to buy new beds or other new furniture, we would definitely have that discussion and we would come up with a budget and what we could afford and figure out, you know, what the limit of spending would be, what was reasonable for us. But it was that one single item that, you know, is what was important that we had this limit that we couldn't each go over and and that was really important to us and it was actually a really good thing that we did because it allowed us to first of all it allows you to cool down on a purchase because sometimes you get excited about oh I have to have that I just need to have it and you pull out your credit card and you buy it right because you think okay no problem I can pay it off over time it's not a big deal but when you have to go back and discuss it with somebody, it makes you really decide if the item that you want to buy is worth buying or not. And so so it actually it actually can really help because it's deciding like, is this part of our long-term money goal or is this just, you know, ridiculous and I'm just gonna end up regretting that I bought it later on. So that is tip number three talk about money openly. So let me just go through those again. The first one is set goals before you get married and throughout your marriage and reassess the goals that you make at key points. Maybe sit down and have a yearly talk about what your goals are, where you've gone and where you've been. Your anniversary is a great date to do that. Number two, before you get married, please consider getting the halachic prenuptial agreement because it is actually a sign of love. It is your husband saying to you right now that I love you and no matter what happens, I am not going to keep you chained to me. And number three is have these open discussions about money. It's like setting goals. Set 
money goals and have regular discussions about money so that you can make sure you're on track with your goals. I, I really hope that you got a lot out of this episode. I love organization and zero waste and this episode combines both of those things and I'm so happy about that. If you want to talk If you want to hear a little bit more about setting money goals, go ahead and listen to episode 70 with Rivka Leibowitz. And if you head to the show notes page, there is a code for Rivka's course for newly married couples. If you need help with decluttering, go ahead and go to balagambigon.com or send an email to Rebecca at RebeccaSaltzman.com. Don't forget that's R-E-B-E-K-A-H, and ask how you can set up a done-in-a-day declutter session. It's reasonably priced, it takes four hours, and you will have targets and goals to hit, and I will be there to hold you accountable to reach those goals. For now, I'm wishing you all a happy Tuba'av, a great week, and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.